Hi, I'm Steve Westerly, and this is Beneficial Intelligence, a new weekly podcast with stories and pragmatic information for CIOs and other IT leaders. This week, pseudo-security. The lock on your house is not secure. Four out of five houses in the U.S. have a standard five-pin lock that a professional locksmith can pick on average in 7.1 seconds. Now, that's if he does it manually, which requires a modicum of skill. If he's using a lock gun instead, then it takes no skill and he can do it in less than four seconds. Your average burglar can get hold of a lock gun easily, which will allow him or her to open your door lock in much less than a minute. So why don't we have more burglaries? Well, the lock is not keeping the burglar out, or at least not on its own. Your lock is part of a larger system, and the would-be burglar has to worry about maybe your neighbors can see, maybe your neighbors see them, maybe your home, maybe you have a dog, maybe there is a surveillance camera somewhere in the neighborhood that catches a picture of you. And you have to risk yourself. You have to be physically present. And you run the risk that the police comes by and catches you. That's how locks are part of a larger system, which means that their weaknesses are not fatal. Passwords, similarly, do not protect you. Passwords alone can no longer simply be picked. They're not like the five-pin locks on our houses. We have complexity rules that mean that people have to learn long and complicated passwords. Unfortunately, that has the side effect that you can actually learn them. And because they're so long and secure looking, then your users will start using them elsewhere. And that means that they'll end up in one of the big password databases. Password collection is big business. So there are people who make their living from collecting usernames and passwords, partial identities connected with a password, and sell them to other IT criminals. These um, usernames and passwords they're collected in many ways. They come from the big breaches where you know LinkedIn and Facebook leak a few hundred million accounts connected with an email address or with a phone number or with an address, something that allows a hacker to connect the password back to your identity and use it to attack the company where the user works. There's also... There's also uh, leaks that come from simple carelessness. This week had the story of a, an unsecured uh, GitLab repository that contained production admin usernames and passwords for various systems in New York State. Oops. Not good. So that's another way your passwords leak. Your passwords can leak from actually malicious apps There are apps who provide you with a little bit of service, say a weather forecast. 
but for some reason they require you to establish to create an account. The reason they want you to create an account is because they'll register your username and password and put it straight into one of the hacker database. And of course, there's there are also just badly built apps, like the Verifit Pro app that I was talking about earlier this week, that was using unencrypted communication from the app back to the company servers including the username and password. So anybody on the internet who just happened to catch one of these packages could read your username and password in clear text. So usernames and passwords are collected, they're put into these huge databases where they're sold to other hackers for pennies apiece. That means that if just one of your users reuses the company password somewhere else, then that password is going to end up in the hacker databases sooner or later. Which is why passwords on their own are not enough. They have to be part of a system. You say, well, we'll educate our users. Sure you will. You will give all your users the mandatory IT security computer-based quiz once a year. And, you know, there aren't any employees who don't know the right answer, who don't know that they're not supposed to reuse their passwords. But it only takes one to actually do it. And if you have thousands of employees, it's almost a certainty that at least one person will do it. That's why passwords on their own are not enough security. When I was in the military, I learned you know, military fortification. And one of the things we learned there was that barbed wire is a dangerous thing. Because you string out barbed wire and then you think you're secure. Barbed wire is only secure if it's observed. If it's not observed, then your enemy is going to sneak up on your barbed wire and cut it. And by the time they attack and you think the barbed wire will slow them down, well, the barbed wire has been disabled long ago. So... Barbed wire that's not observed gives the military unit a dangerous feeling of security, which is actually pseudo-security. Barbed wire does not work alone. Your house lock does not work alone. A password does not work alone. Your password has to be part of a larger system that might include IP filtering, it might include two-factor authentication, it might include time windows where things are allowed to happen. It should include some kind of, of anomaly detection that this login came from a location where it doesn't normally come from or at a time where it doesn't make sense for that user to log in or to a new system. Your IT security people have a lot of options. There's a lot of things in the toolbox. But you need to make sure that you're not depending just on the password. You have to have a whole series of these measures implemented. Because passwords alone, that's pseudo-security. Thank you for listening to Beneficial Intelligence a weekly podcast with stories and pragmatic information for CIOs and other IT leaders. If you like the content, please spread the word. If you have comments, please get in touch. My contact information is in the show notes. See you next week.